Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again I'm joined by my co-host Mike. Hello Mike. Hi Anthony, nice to be back on to do one of these. Yeah, great. So it's good to have you uh, on board for today's episode. So today we're talking about a very hot topic at the moment and that's the issue of um, censorship in the age of Covid or the dreaded um, coronavirus. I think you'll agree Mike that it's certainly an issue that's on the mind of a lot of um, people who are trying to get to the truth of the coronavirus. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, everything's, well, the amount of misinformation that's been going on is ridiculous. Mm. And the worst thing is the government's been spouting up most of it. Yeah, and exactly. they're wanting to kind of like put censorship on social media for some reason. Yeah, so we'll get into this whole issue of fact checking and and what is truth and and all the rest of it so we'll just start with a a, a very apt quote here from um george orwell and he said obviously he wrote quite a, um at length in his book 1984 about issues of censorship mike and this is a very apt quote he says in a time of deceit telling the truth is a revolutionary act now i think you'll agree and all our listeners agree that's um that's very true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we've 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 come to a point where, um, you know, it's no longer fiction and and life is imitating art, so to speak. Yeah. One more thing I would add to that though is um, sure. Voltaire also said, if you're going to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Yeah. Otherwise, they want to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I go shopping in Tesco's on Thursday and people want to kill me for not wearing a mask, <laughs> I'll remember that yeah. one. Clown masks. Clown masks. The Robin. Oh, we should totally do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe one for another day. So, um, just for the benefit of our listeners, Mike, um, the order really, what we're going to cover today is in terms of censorship, we're going to look a little bit about the historical aspect in terms of tyrannical regimes in the twentieth century. Um, then we're going to look at uh, internet uh, censorship, so the main uh, social media outlets and how they're dealing with it. And then we're going to look at how um, the government are controlling the narrative and using censorship, uh, basically, primarily since um, the coronavirus outbreak in March. Um, So that's how we're going to tackle um, the issue of uh, censorship today. Um, We'll begin, uh, Mike, with the aspect of um, how regimes, tyrannical regimes in the past, um, have used censorship against a population uh, to control, um, basically to control the population and to control what they're allowed to say and to control what they're allowed to think ultimately at the end of the day. So obviously we're referring to people uh, like Chairman Mao in China and uh, Mussolini in Italy and of course um, Stalin in Russia. Not only that, um, this whole idea of censorship can also go back to um, Christianity itself and their missionaries they sent all over the world. Mm. I mean, one thing we don't really know from that is um, that a lot of these missionaries actually burnt the books of the natives to destroy their historical knowledge so they could push forward their Christianity. Their own narrative. So the idea of book burning that um, it is said that uh, the Nazis did back in the 30s... um, it, it's not um, a modern 20th phenomena, thi- phenomena 
should say it goes back many years then exactly centuries so that shows you doesn't it it shows you um the power of controlling the medium or the message well it's a standard technique that the powers of be have used throughout history to try and control as much of the population as they can mm. because in any society there's always been free thinkers people like us that like to ask radicals these rebels yeah and you do find that um throughout history that they've used this book burning or or sometimes just even um, social pressure and society standards to control what people think. Mm. So, so for example, we can see in terms of social norms, the government and the authorities obviously want to make it more and more, and this is true in countries around the world, Mike, that it's normal to wear the mask. That is the socially accepted norm. Now, we all know it's unacceptable, but it, this is, again, what we've spoken about before on discerning consciousness, how... It's not direct application of power or control from the authorities. It's where the public or the people police one another. Exactly. Um, policing ourselves is the, is the state they want us to be in mm. because that requires less effort on their part. Mm, absolutely. And, and also it's a lot easier because you don't have to directly point guns at people's head and it's less messy. Exactly. Something I just want to pick up in terms of um, the historical aspect uh, that we briefly touched upon, Mike, is that Obviously, uh, tyrannical regimes, they start with things like their own propaganda, minimising what is acceptable discourse or the creation of, in you know, Orwell's 1984 of new speak uh, and uh, the idea of um, sort of erasing history. Because what was interesting, obviously, from that was very true from 1984 is so regimes, they don't start with hard power they start with controlling the narrative. So really, yeah. the army on the streets, you know, pulling out guns and shooting people, that comes at the end of the process, when they deal with those who, you know, aren't prepared to follow the message. Surprisingly, Hitler actually tried to start with that method. Right. Um, but that didn't work for him, so he uh, went back to the drawing boards and figured out what we're talking about now. Mm. But that's, I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners will agree, Mike, that's what worries me about what's happening with regards to the coronavirus and how the governments are, are reacting to it and all the measures that they're bringing in with regards to uh, proper, their own propaganda, censorship. We've seen it so much throughout history and look where it ends up. It ends up in total tyranny and the murder of thousands, if not millions of people. And that's what history has taught us. And we're not learning anything from no, it. We're, we're barreling head forward, head first, right into another one of those situations and, and by the scenes of it. You know, I've had conversation with um, friends and family and they go, well, that wouldn't happen now because, you know, we live in much more of a sophisticated society and the truth does get out there. That's where it comes into more, which we're going to just come on to, is what the importance of internet censorship. Yeah, well, one thing you will find is even though we are in a more sophisticated society... Allegedly. The tools at the behest of the powers that be are also far more sophisticated sure sure so it's not like a jack boot you know pressing down on your face or someone knocking on your door checking your papers it's it's much more subtle than that although in some in some um societies in some countries around the world with the track and trace they are doing that the health authorities are knocking on people's doors we haven't quite got to that stage because ours hasn't our track and trace in the UK hasn't really got up and running. So, well, I'm just worried about when they start the worker camps. Yeah, I think that's what they called them last time round. Well, yeah, reprocessing centres. 
gulags, whatever euphemism. So yeah, I think that's an opportune time now, Mike, for us to move on to this first aspect of uh, internet censorship, and that's YouTube. Yeah, so there does seem to be um, quite a lot that's happened on YouTube recently. Um, just to give a bit of mindset, um, it doesn't have to be straight out censorship, um, a removal of something to stop you seeing it. All YouTube has to do is change their algorithm to begin with yeah. to make things less likely to show up on your search terms. Mm. So even though it might be something you're trying to search for, it might be the last thing on the list sure. um, as you so go you... through 105 pages to find it. And as you know, uh, as we all know, Mike, people tend to watch videos based on just browsing what looks interesting. If you're not on that timeline... Then you're not going to be watched. No. So there was the change of the algorithm a long time ago within YouTube that um, heavily reduced the amount of conspiracy videos that would be suggested to the site. Sure. Now, a long time ago, this was good for YouTube because it kept people watching. But now they're like, we don't want that information getting out. So they've literally changed the algorithm to, to stop those videos being suggested. Mm. But just recently, they've made some, um, you know, some bannings of, of people's channels on YouTube. Um, quite a highly notable person of David Icke got his um, YouTube channel sure. banned. And also a very high profile uh, alternative researcher who I've spoken about before, Max Egan. His channel was removed and um, where it gets disturbing, Mike, is uh, also um, a guy called Stefan Molyneux, who had a very popular YouTube channel, was completely removed as well. I've got a few of his books from back in the day. He's actually a philosopher. I mean, he that's what he would describe himself as primarily. Not, you know, a hardened Alex Jones conspiracy researcher who in the past he was banned from YouTube as well. So they're not just coming for for the you know, the so-called conspiracy researchers, are they? That's the, the other worrying thing. They're going against anyone who might have any information that is against the political agenda that's going the on at the time. The prevailing narrative. Just, um, just for our uh, listeners' benefit, Mike, a few other people in recent years who have been banned are Red Ice TV. Uh, I like them. Yeah. Uh, American Renaissance and... Um, iconoclast who are big who had big uh yeah youtube channels i believe most of them now are on bitshoot uh that's uh, uh an alternative i know you have issues with the name don't you oh, bitshoot. I can't get over the name bitchoot yeah b-i-t-c-h-u-t-e-t-e and i'm currently removing discerning consciousness so, uh, discerning consciousness over to bitshoot so yeah this just to point out that this is a process of uh, censorship that's been going on a long time. The concern is now that, like you were just alluding to, Mike, that it's been ramped up now. Yes. Um, so it's been a slow, steady thing over the last decade or two. Yeah. Um, almost like the analogy with the um, killing a frog in hot water. Sure. You don't just put the frog into the boiling water, you put the frog into the cold water and slowly turn up the heat. Yeah, Next sure. thing you know, the frog doesn't even know anything's different and it's boiling to death. Yeah. So there's there's a, quite a few other channels um, that I watch, inc including the Dollar Vigilante and a guy called David Cullen. I think his channel's called um, Computer, Computer Forever, Computing Forever. Uh, he's spoken a lot about COVID, the issues around COVID. They both have, and they're both saying any day now we're going to be banned so there's lots of other channels there 
who are having particular videos um, banned, but they're still their whole channel is still available. But for the time being, for the time being, so we can <coughs> we can definitely say see that looking into the future, this is a process that really is is not going to be reversed, and there's just going to be more and more censorship. Uh, that's going to go on. Yeah, not only that, um, say if we t start talking about social media, yeah. um, they started um, doing things called shadow banning. So even though sure. you can post stuff, yeah. doesn't mean everyone's going to see it. So does a shadow ban mean that essentially it's published but no one can see it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so you get the ideas of um, shadow banning. So, you know, you, you think you're not banned, but technically you basically are. So that's are. a horrible, again, uh, new speak. Uh, 1984 Orwellian euphemism, you know, shadow banned. Well, if it's not available, it is censored. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just the illusion that you're not censored. Yeah, you know, you'll think about it like, oh, no one's actually liked this. No one's. Or no you one's... see that no one's viewing it. Yeah, yeah. And you'll, be, why. and you'll be like, what's going on? It, it could turn out that no one's actually able to see it sure. because of this shadow banning. Right. So that goes alongside the whole way in which their algorithms work. That's another yeah. technique they use. Um, but I think the most um, ridiculous one recently has popped up is the whole fact checking. Oh, so on yeah. Facebook. If we move on now to Facebook censorship, yeah. So the issue around, obviously, with um, Facebook uh, and um, fact checkers, Mike, is, you know, as we were talking about before, um, who's, you know, why shouldn't individuals, uh, individuals should have the right to decide what information we think is true? Why is that being decided by, you know, people like YouTube or Facebook or Google? You know, um, whose interests are these big tech companies serving? And why, what are they trying to hide from the general public? I mean, it's like the arbiters of truth now are these big, che big tech companies. And it's like, well, I'm not sure they have the public interest at heart. No, you? definitely uh, not. I mean, the funniest thing I found about the whole fact-checking thing is the Wayfair scandal that came out a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, the fact-checking, before I even read the article, there was a fact-check thing underneath it. Yeah. So I read the fact check thing and it was just like, this has been proven to be wrong and all this. Then I read the actual article itself because I always like to hear both sides. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of days later that I found out, yeah, that that fact checking process was Facebook going to Wayfair and going, well, are you smuggling kids? And they were like, well, no. And that was it. That's the fact checking process. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> The, the ridiculous thing about fact checkers, um, you know, they're huge. They're sorry, they're Facebook fact checkers, but who are they? Yeah. Um, the I did try and find out whilst doing research for this episode this week, Michael, and I couldn't find anywhere. You know, is there a committee? Or, no, it's just Facebook fact-checkers. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's probably about three or four people within Facebook gone, right, you guys, you've got to run the fact-checking thing now, and mm. basically whenever a story comes out, they'll do a, a blanket fact-check for that, but won't spend any more than about five minutes on it, I doubt. And then go, yep, yeah, that's the answer, and whenever a new um, article comes out that's anything like it, they'll just go, yep, yeah, that's been fact-checked. Which is all BS. So the, the, the whole point of fact-checking, it is said, is to prevent the spread of false news. Now, we know that these fact-checkers, they're basically going to be about, it's about controlling the narrative. So it's about false news is anything that runs counter to, you know, the official 
mainstream narrative, and that's becoming narrower and narrower and narrower. Well, the thing I don't get is um, none of the government information that's come out, which is meant to be science and in inverted quotes, yeah. just turns out um, to be BS that they kind of like swap about day in, day out, kind of like you turning like crazy, yeah. and none of that information gets fact-checked. No, no. Yeah. So it just kind of like tells you exactly where this narrative is going, considering that, you know, information that comes up by government that's proven wrong isn't fact-checked, but then information that can be proven right is fact-checked to be saying, nope, don't believe that. And information from our own national governments and from the World Health Organization, I use those words, you know, carefully, um, that, you know, where they've deliberately, uh, or shall we say, they've come out and contradicted themselves over and over, which could easily be proven to be false when fact-checked. Well, that's not, that's not done, is it? Yeah. I mean, what was that? There was an article that was going around near the beginning of this coronavirus peak period. So we're talking about two, three months ago now. April time, yeah. And um, it was saying the government data is false. Um, You know, the way they're Collecting this data Collecting. is wrong, everything, yeah. you know, it needs to be looked at. And Fact Check went, yep, this is all BS, don't believe <laughs> this. And, you know, what's coming out now? Government's admitting, yeah, the way we were collated all this data was wrong. Well, as we've said on our previous <laughs> uh, few episodes on coronavirus, they've admitted, the UK government, um, that the actual death figures can no longer be trusted. So, you know, they've actually admitted that. They obviously didn't use words as blunt as that. They used euphemisms, but heavily suggested that. So just lastly on the fact checkers, Mike, the measures that they can use are similar to what YouTube does. So you will appear, the article, whatever, appear lower down on uh, Facebook on the news feed. Also, uh, once it's rated as false, yeah, as I said, it will appear lower down in the news feed. Repeat offenders uh, have uh, uh, are banned. Pages and web- websites can have restrictions uh, imposed, and that might affect the ability to monetize and uh, advertise. That that can uh, also um, be removed. So I mean that can affect people's uh, income. The other thing I noticed is fa- Facebook have third party fact checking partners again i looked on um some official facebook websites who are these people it didn't well, say who are these third party fact checking partners it didn't say okay and i'm guessing these are think tanks that are going uh, we need to make sure the narrative goes in this direction sure we'll be your third party fact checkers yeah so just to say on my in the last few months i've had at least half a dozen articles on my timeline that have been fact-checked and then they appear, don't they, greyed out? Well, the one I saw is just kind of like a little extra thing on the bottom of, you know, as you click on the article on Facebook, yeah. it was like a little extra thing on there. Like I think a... it was like yellowy, kind of like coloured, and it was just yeah. like this article has been fact-checked or yeah. something like that. Just lastly, as we're uh, throughout this episode, we're picking up also, obviously on the theme of 1984, um, I equate fact checkers to um, Winston Smith in 1984 and he was like, he had a, a job, he was like a clerk, an office yeah. clerk in the Ministry of Truth, <laughs> where he, re- re- he rewrote historical documents to match the party orthodoxy at the time, which in the modern age is known as redacting. So you'll see official government doc- documents here in the UK, and I'm sure it's repeated in lots of countries, where um in 
information that is too sensitive to be released is literally blacked out, isn't it? And there's yeah. like a black block, block, block. Can't get my words out. A black box over the information. So the modern form of, uh, sorry, the historical form of fact checkers is um, uh, Winston Smith uh, in uh, toiling away in the Ministry of Truth and rewriting historical documents. So again, guys and girls. If you haven't already got 1984, I would heavily suggest you buy it and read it and reread it and reread it again, because it's just basically um, play say, by play for our times. Film's not too bad either. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on, Mike, um, to Twitter. Yeah, I was you've got s- some information about. Yeah, I mean this this very fact here that I'm just going to start going on about is the very reason we decided to record this episode. Gives your motivation. Yeah. Um. So Twitter recently banned seven thousand accounts. Um. To do with the QAnon conspiracy movement. Yeah. Now that in itself isn't that bad by itself. Um. But the thing that makes it 10 times worse yeah. is that these are the people that were going after the paedophiles putting the pressure on them exposing stuff so like so you mean the elite paedophile yes so, so hollywood uh, leading politicians yeah um you know so they were releasing information to do with um the pizzagate frazzle drip the epstein flight logs even the wayfair scandal that came out recently you know sure. that all information i learned about through them yeah um and now they've banned them all right literally just banned them all and then what makes it worse is you can't talk about you know QAnon and uh the frazzled rip stuff but twitter changed its um policy recently i say recently start of the year basically that totally allows you to talk about paedophilia as in a you know um if you are one you can talk about it to other people yeah, yeah. on twitter uh, their pro- their policy says as long as you don't glorify it or share images about it, it's okay. So basically what Twitter is saying is that um, if you're a paedophile and you talk about paedophilia, pedoph- uh, it's okay if you're a low-grade paedophile, but we won't accept uh, if you're a high-level, uh, a leading politician or celebrity or film star, then that's not acceptable. No, just people will find that not yeah. acceptable. But um, the fact is they're fully... Uh, fully um, pushing this and I find it's kind of like the whole narrative again because there's so many elites in Hollywood and politicians all around the world who are paedophiles who are trying to grow a certain level of an acceptance towards that within society and I believe that this whole banning of QAnon um, who are trying to expose all this yeah to ban them but then you can still talk about what they were trying to yeah, go against deeply it's very um what's the word suspect and um, well i just find it deeply troubling yeah it is and it's it's so hypocr- hypocritical it's typical of our times and i believe you another disturbing thing you've got there is is it an organization that's whilst we're on the theme of paedophilia that are trying to change the very definition of paedophilia itself so this has been going on for a long long time by the sounds of it so the more i've been researching into it um you can go back well the furthest i went back to is at least the 70s yeah. um with an organization known as the pi foundation right is that an acronym for anything? yes so yeah. this was known as the paedophile information exchange is it a uk-based organization as far as i'm aware it was it, yeah so it doesn't exist anymore because yeah. it 
came around in the 1970s, it went down in the 1980s, but its whole purpose was to try and um, make paedophiles more acceptable in society right. and also lower the age of consent. Right. So I'm glad they disappeared and, you know, don't have any, um, you know, standing today, but it's almost like they've come about in a different guise these days yeah um and using different phrases to try and help promote their cause yeah so the latest ones i found about was um a phrase called map or maps right which stands for minor attracted persons good grief and yeah if you type that into twitter because they're fully allowing you to talk about that you can find a lot of information about that and the other disturbing thing thank you for sharing that information mike is you know, for many years, um, high level politicians of both the Labour and the Conservative Party here in the UK have tried to uh, lower the age of consent. And the former Prime Minister, no less, uh, Theresa May, has uh, links, doesn't she? Well, the first time I ever heard about Theresa May was actually with her links to the Pi Foundation. Yeah. Um, also, the fact that um, she managed to just lose thousands and thousands of documents about paedophiles um, in her time in the Home Office Sure, makes you think, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Um, something that's just um, popped into my mind about censorship and Twitter uh, in the very fundamentals of how uh, Twitter is constructed in that it's limited characters, how many characters you can use. Yeah. Isn't that a form of censorship in and of itself? That's why I've never really, I've never really uh, used, I'll share my Twitter handle at the end in the promo, but I've never used Twitter much and I've never really understood it because there's limited words that you can use. Isn't that a form of censorship? Um, not in a way. I mean, I know there's other platforms like uh, Facebook where you can, you know, put essays on there if I you mean, want I mean, the whole to. thing um, and purpose of Twitter with the very name of it is um tweets the short. tweets it's yeah. the short sharp sound a bird will make um it's just hello i'm here hello yeah. world i call it a brain fart basically yeah <laughs> but i mean going back to what i was saying with this whole maps thing is it seems like there is a certain amount of um movement to yeah. try and get this whole maps thing lumped in with um the lbgt movement yeah, sure. Now, everyone I know in the LBG2 movement is like dead against this. Sure. But the, if you look at the internet, there has been attempts over the past couple of years, by the looks of it, to try and get them lumped into the same group. Yeah. Um, so, again, if you just look at the internet, you'll see what I mean there. Yeah. Um, just lastly, on social media and internet censorship, Mike, uh, an issue really... Why I think the government and the authorities during this time um, are so keen to censor content. Um, it's not just coronavirus, but it's also, uh, as we've seen in recent years, and statistics prove, a lot of people are moving away from uh, mainstream news sources, aren't they? And they're, they're using um, news sources online through YouTube channels. And this is because, um, and the authorities are aware of this. Um, I mean, a lot of the... Uh, news networks like CNN, CNBC, uh, Sky News, they, they're losing a lot of uh, advertising revenue as well. Yeah. So obviously the powers that be, the control system, is aware that um, millions and millions of people are turning away, looking towards the internet. So of course they want to 
control that narrative and you know we put out stuff here on 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 uh, our podcast and uh, we're going to move to youtube within time and i'm on and we're on bitshoot now i mean everyone's a potential journalist and broadcaster and that's what the system hates oh, it, yeah. it's like at the moment it's whack-a-mole you know it's it, or you know putting the finger in the dike there's all these sources of information it's easy to control the mainstream as we've seen with coronavirus because all these uh mainstream news channels are given this one message because it all comes from reuters news agency which means one route one and that's why i think there's more and more censorship because people do not trust the government they do not trust the mainstream media so that's why i just think we're seeing more and more uh censorship not just of conspiracy uh sites as we said earlier what do you think about that Mike? yeah well totally get you i mean i've stopped watching mainstream tv laughable, for a, for a long time now yeah. um mostly um everything i watch is either on youtube or yeah, netflix here, yeah. um but what you'll find is that yeah um over the years they've tried to get society in a place where we're more susceptible yeah the only problem is a certain part of society is gone the other way and they're far 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 less susceptible so what you, and more likely to pick up on the bullshit that they're so pervading. what you're saying is almost like the mainstream story or the contents the propaganda's got so extreme the likes of us have gone right i'm not buying any of the bullshit in the mainstream and people like us like many of our listeners have, yeah. have completely moved away from the mainstream news whereas for others that's kind of corral them into the pen if you like exactly yeah. um and so you get a complete division a split in two basically yeah. between people who will watch the news and either laugh at it or take it deadly seriously sure. yeah. um i've just stopped watching the news full stop um i normally look for you to tell me what's yeah. going on <laughs> i normally send you links don't <laughs> yeah. I? It's like, have you heard this i was yeah. like oh yeah. my I've god seen the news for two weeks <laughs> Um, so it is going that way, and um, yeah, um, where the where the phrases they use within the news have yeah. got far more easier to unpack and go. Well, actually, you said that, but aren't you meaning this? Yeah. With I that mean, phrase? it's becoming the coronavirus coverage is becoming less within the mainstream, less nuanced, more based around propaganda, more just about right. Well, we know a lot of people watching this are so susceptible to propaganda. We're just going to ramp it up. We don't care. We don't care if we lie. We don't care. You, you know, if the information is contradictory. <clears throat> I was going to say, you've just reminded me of something. The amount of posts that I've seen on Facebook going around where it was just like this person didn't believe in the virus. They went to a um, a COVID nineteen party. Now they're now they're regretting it. Sort now, of now they're now they're relenting because they've actually got the bogeyman virus. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen lots of that. Just lastly, before we move on from uh, social media and the internet, Mike, um, I just want to share with our uh, listeners that if you're not aware of this huge online alt, alt media phenomena that is QAnon. Um, I'll share um, a link to a really interesting article that goes in depth and the um, the uh, there's a video going around about, you know, taking down the cabal, which is a lot of um, a lot of kind of uh, information around what is said to be happening. Now, I think Mike and I are on the same kind of hymn sheet. We're kind of in the middle. It's not that we believe it or disbelieve it. We think, well, it's an interesting phenomena. So um, I'll share some links in the description so you guys can make up your own mind. I think we will cover it more in future. It needs to be. Yeah. Um, but the whole 
like I was saying, um, the real reason I'm liking this whole um, QAnon thing at the moment is they are putting the pressure on the paedophiles. Sure. Um, they're making sure they can't just get away with things left, right and centre. Sure. Like the revelation with the, the Wayfair thing. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping that pressure on them is stopping them from being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Yeah, so even, I agree, Mike, just quickly, so move on. Um, even though there might not be mass arrests and, you know, we're not seeing uh, the Clintons and uh, former President Obama, you know, shackled in Gitmo, in Guantanamo Bay. Fingers it, crossed, though, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed eventually, <laughs> but at least they, there is this constant pressure, like you say. And, it, and that's why I think they were banned on Twitter, to make sure they couldn't be putting this pressure on. Sure. And apparently Facebook is looking to follow that ban. Wow, interesting, interesting. Um, Mike, we're going to move on now into another aspect of censorship in the COVID age, which we haven't really covered. I've covered on my coronavirus, coronavirus musings, and that's the issue of Black Lives Matter. So um, after the death of George Floyd, we saw a wave of protests across the world, but mainly here in, in, Amer in America and here in the UK, I should say, and statues were pulled down because they were said to be you know representations of slavery and all the evil of slavery it did it did it did i did have a kind of smile to myself when you saw all these protesters with all the modern labels of slavery you know like adidas and nike you know i hate to point out to them that most of those clay clothes are made you know in slave labor, in camps. Slave labor camps but you know <laughs> that's not they probably don't have the intelligence to work that out but anyway so not only uh have we seen you know, uh, slave uh, uh, owners and statues being uh, pulled down across the world, but also we've seen the censoring of programmes on um, things like Netflix and Amazon. And also, you know, uh, there's been um, calls for the decolonization of uh, education in university uh, um, syllabuses, whatever that means, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. That's a phrase that needs unpacking. Yeah, that's that's a, yeah, that's a heavy duty phrase. But anyway, we can see here again, Mike, how the issue for me is we should understand the past, not censor it, because if we're going to move forward in a more uh, I hate the phrase progressive. Let's use more conscious, more holistic way which brings people in, we need to learn from the past, not, not, not remove it, because if we remove the past, that's what Chairman Mao did. And then you had the, you know, you had the Cultural Revolution. And, you know, if you want to create the future, you destroy the past. And, you know, that's what I'm disturbed about at the moment. Yeah, um, I have to admit, the biggest confusion for me when it comes to the Black Lives Matter thing and, uh, and the statues is... Um, where did that link came from? Mm. Like, originally it was the whole protest was about police brutality, sure. stopping um, police killing anyone they want, whenever sure. they want, yeah. which happened to be mostly black people. Um, I think if you looked at the stats in America that um, police shooting mostly innocent people, by the way, yeah. turns out to be, I think it was like 40%, 40-50% black people, 30-40% um, to 40%, um Hispanics and the rest being white. Yeah. So you know it's across the board. Police brutality is a big issue in America, mm. but then suddenly it the Black Lives Matter thing totally changed it Jumped from on the bandwagon to, to being from Black Lives Matter to to being about um, 
historical crimes and for some reason going after statues. I mean, I think we said before on discerning consciousness, we, we would not deny, obviously, there's a problem of police brutality in, in many countries and against ethnic, mi ethnic minorities. But how you solve that, you get to the root of that problem, is through a constructive dialogue, not through uh, violence, not through uh, pulling down statues. Well, I have to admit, the craziest thing, the craziest thing for me, and I still can't understand the steps, any of the steps that led to the process, yeah. is Black Lives Matter to protests um, that led to going after the statues. Yeah, mm. don't understand that. The fact that we had protests in other countries about George Floyd's police brutality in America. Again, I don't understand where that came from. And then the third thing is... Why did we get a load of um, racist nationalists doing a Nazi salute to a statue of um, Winston, Winston Churchill. Churchill, Yeah, considering that he fought against the Nazis? That just blew my mind of stupidity. Like, how do people get that stupid? The thing is, uh, he's a very divisive character, obviously, Winston Churchill, because although he, um, in one sense, yes, did battle against, it is said, a form of fascism in the Nazis. Earlier in his political career, during the colonial era, he said some very extremely racist thing about, you know, the natives or the colonials during the British Empire. So, you know, in that vein, one could say that he was fascistic himself. Did you see how you just get on the merry-go-round? Just... Well, one thing that no one seems to, to take um, proper attention to is historical context. Mm. Yeah. So in the past, um, when the slave trade was going on, of course everyone was pretty much racist back then. By today's standards. Yeah, because you literally couldn't own another person um, without there being a certain disconnect between that. I mean, the fact is, if you go back even further, it, when there was just Europe in the mix, it was white people slaving white people exactly i mean hey that didn't properly change until africa was discovered and it was like right now we can enslave people of a different color it's much easier to say they're less human because they've got a different color so it's, it's an issue uh, about class as much as it is about race to be honest the only reason race has been put on top of the whole class issue yeah. is because it's far easier to spot visually yeah sure and um, just lastly, on the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm sure we'll revisit this again in future, Mike. Of course, it's funded by George Soros. <clears throat> and um, actually, I, I did see um, a whole list of about 200 corporations, including Amazon, Google, who contribute collectively millions yeah, to Black millions Lives Matter. To this mm, you know, George Soros, uh, the corporate world, big tech. Do you think they have any interest in promoting minority rights? <laughs> so again, we see um, how uh, modern societies are destabilised is by promoting minority rights. So this is what, don't get me wrong, you know, minority uh, groups in, in a lot of societies, there, there are issues that need to be addressed. But basically Hopefully. what happens is the corporate world and the, um, the controllers of society they manipulate um, the um, the anger that minority groups feel against the system and then they just channel it into their, their own agendas. Yeah. 
Um, oh, by the way, yeah. one last thing I want to say about Black Lives Matter sure. is if you really believe in that movement, just go to their website and read the... It says her story. Right. I think it was a, a, a kind of like play on words with history, if you know yeah, what I sure. mean. Um, but if you read that, um, you'll notice there that it doesn't say anything about black men. No. It's all about promoting an LGBT transgender um, movement. Right, yeah. Um, sure. So the fact that, you know, this whole her story thing says all about we want to destroy the, um, you know, nuclear family. We want to kind sure. of like do all this. Not once does it say it supports um, the rights of black men in that. Um, mm. So if you do support this movement, just have a read of that and then tell me what yeah, what you think of the movement. And the other interesting thing, um, in the last couple of days, uh, the Formula One driver, Lewis Hamilton, who's been at the forefront of promoting Black Lives Matter here in the UK at races beforehand, he's standing you know, on one knee and encouraging all the other Formula One drivers to do the same. Bizarrely, whether it's true or not, you don't know, do you, with these stories, whether they're true. But anyway, he's apparently come out and shared some stuff on Twitter about people, you know, saying that they would never trust Bill Gates. They would never want to take a, um, Bill Gates' poisonous vaccine. Now he's being criticised for that. Oh, really? So it's quite interesting that it's OK when Lewis Hamilton come out, comes out and promotes Black Lives Matter. But when he shares a story on Twitter about, um, you know the evils of Bill Gates and his vaccine, he get he gets criticised. Now, isn't that, that, doesn't that just tell you? Well, the other thing was um, Terry Crews. He yeah. came out against Black Lives Matter. Well, it wasn't against it, it was just making sure it's on point. Yeah. Doesn't get confused with itself. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it was like, right, so if it's about Black Lives, let's make sure Black Lives do matter. You know, one of the biggest things that's killing black people at the moment is other black people yes so he said that on a mainstream news he was having a conversation with someone else who literally couldn't understand what terry cruz was saying apparently mm. um because apparently that's not what black lives matter is about no. it's it's again in terms of censorship the whole black lives matters meme i hate using that phrase but it's good for this kind of short form is a very narrow definition of what it means to be black and there's many um, leading black um, figures in uh, media figures in the UK have come out and said, "I'm not a victim. I'm a black British person. I'm proud of my uh, my black heritage, whether it be Afro African or Afro Caribbean. But I'm partly British as well. I'm proud of that. I'm not a, a, a victim of society. I realise there are issues of racism in this country. A lot of issues, but, not just this country, all around across the, the world, world. As we said in the states, with police brutality against black people. But what um what individuals like that are pointing out is there a tendency to 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 make black people victims that's the negative aspect of black lives matter and as they've also said you know to, to group all black people into one category isn't that racist i mean in a way do you know to say that all black people are one category well they're like brown people and white people and magenta big uh, pink people <laughs> each one has a different character a different personality that's where again it's orwellian in in, in that black lives matter actually when you drill right down to it it's actually quite racist yeah. it's racist against white people and it's actually racist against black people because it groups them all into one category which is insulting and it victimizes them well i heard um i saw a brilliant interview with um what's his name Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And he, someone was asking him about, um, so how do you think you can stop racism? Mm. And he literally just responds with, 
stop talking exactly. about it. Exactly, yeah, I've seen that on Facebook repeated, yeah. yeah. Um, stop referring me as a black man, I'll stop referring you to as a white person. Yeah. Um, you know, let's move on past the colour of someone's well, skin. the reason why I believe, a bit of a controversial view, that Martin Luther King Jr., the reason why I believe he was assassinated, because towards the near the end when he was killed, that's what he was talking about. Yeah. Initially, it was about quite rightly raising the issue, uh, especially in the Deep South, as we know historically in America, of uh, brutality against black people. But he went on to say, no, it's actually, it's also an issue of, class and how the system is uh, oppressive to you know those who are said to be the lower classes and that's that's when he got killed because he went off script well, he I, went off message well i have to admit this this happens not just from um kind of like a racial color thing this happens in any minority group whatsoever absolutely whatever is it is that yeah their rights are suddenly different to what i would consider to be normal human rights it's no. like you know gay rights Aren't they considered under normal human rights? No, exactly, yeah. You know, you don't have to have a special version of rights for a special subsection I of know. society. I agree. Because that very mentality is um, kind of like... Discriminatory in, in the Yeah, yeah that's the word I was looking for. And I just is. believe, sorry to get a bit deep, but I just think that just being born a human being, we have rights. I just believe that we have inalienable rights. And just lastly, to finish on this matter, it does seem at the moment that those this group that the system has decreed has the biggest amount of rights is trans the whole trans group they now trump everyone else's rights I, yeah, I, I, I don't i don't understand why and then we get into the whole field of it's almost becoming like the tyranny of the minority i mean it is it's it's bizarre it really is bizarre i think it's all to do with a psychological thing of like well i've been oppressed so um to make myself feel better now i must oppress you um you know it's like that... feel my pain you must feel my emotional and psychological pain yeah getting your own back rather than actually um healing yourself um for you know from a shamanic's perspective yeah it's uh project that pain onto other people yeah sure it's a it's certainly a, a thorny issue um and i'm sure again it's another one that we'll revisit but it is very interesting because there's so many agendas playing out yeah so in the last section, Mike, I just want us to go on uh, to British context, really, and censorship in terms of how the government are controlling the narrative. So we see this uh, through um, the way in which they're trying to label um, anti so-called anti-vaxxers. Boris Johnson's called them nutters and the health secretary, Matt Hancock, has called uh, uh, anti-vaxxers. He said they are toxic individuals. So we can see how already they're trying to build this narrative ahead of um, inevitably vaccines that those like us and probably like lots of our listeners, we don't want to take the vaccine. We're not given that choice. So we're being censored from having that choice not to take it. I mean, the crazy thing about all this as well is um, this is a, a disease, a virus that has essentially got... <sighs> Depending on what data you believe, yeah, you can. Um, this has a death rate of anywhere from three point six percent, yeah, to not point two six percent. Right. As far as I'm concerned, a death rate. Yeah, right. a death rate of that. Mortality, Anything yeah. with a death rate of that level, I'm just like, do you know what? 
I, I think I'll be fine without yeah, any I think vaccine. I trust my safety, uh, my immune system. Yeah, I just I just make sure my immune system's nice and healthy. Sure. Which, by the way, no doctor has ever come out in this coronavirus period and say, right, these is how you keep your immune system up to date, really nice and healthy. So even if you do catch it, you'll be absolutely fine. Mm. Yeah. But they said nothing about that. I mean, in terms of the censorship, what annoys me is that we don't have a choice because what they're doing is lumping everyone into the group of extreme conspiracy anti-vaxxer whereas whereas as we've said a lot in recent weeks mike people choose not to take a vaccine for many different reasons some people might have done the research around bill and uh, melinda gates and what they've done in india and africa trialing uh, other types of vaccines which have killed uh, uh, many people, unfortunately, in those uh, countries during trials, there might be people who've done no research but just instinctively feel it's wrong. There may, may be some people that historically they've had vaccines in the past, maybe even the flu one, but they're choosing not to have this one because they just don't. It doesn't sit right with them. But all of these people who have that right to make that decision, they're all put into one camp or one category of anti-vaxxers yeah um it's the whole way again, again of controlling the narrative um because as soon as you put people into a category that's already um got a bad connotation to yeah. it stereotype yeah thank you that's the word i was looking for yeah. um they can just go well they're already stupid you're in that category so you're stupid too yeah so it's, it's quite easy to control the way not just you think about it but other people will think about it. and also what it does is it, it labels people and it stops any further it's almost like the way in which debate gets shut down it, it de-intellectualizes everything that's it what does, it does because it simplifies everything to um rule of thumbs so you can say simple sweeping statements yeah and i've, I've just got the quote here from health secretary matt man matt hancock and he said in parliament those who promulgate lies about vaccines that are safe and have been approved, they are threatening lives. And his shadow, in other words, the Labour Secretary or Shadow Health Secretary, Jonathan Ashworth, who should be opposing the government, but yeah, there we go, crazy times, hit out at what he described as poisonous anti-vax propaganda. So, you know, we can... It's quite funny because vaccines <laughs> actually do have poison in them. Yeah, but... <laughs> well, yeah, many formaldehyde and uh, mercury and... All sorts of other nice things but we can see how those guns are aimed at us already yeah um so they're already trying to make sure that when the mandatory vaccine comes around yeah everyone will have to be on board and if you're not on board your family and friends will hate you for not being yeah. on board and it's not just that you will be uh you will be um classed as um selfish you will be classed as, I think eventually, it sounds extreme, Mike, sorry to say it, but potentially as a domestic terrorist because you want people to die. And it will be akin to the George George W. Bush's phrase, which was, you know, in the wake of 9-11, um, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. Now, watch this drive. That's what he famously said, you know, that utter moron, war criminal. And, you know, that that's where propaganda and censorship, it's, you know, it's just happening you know right in front of our faces something that we've spoken about for many years it's no longer for theoretical we're, we're right in the center of the storm aren't we and i have to admit talking about vaccines um you've got two bits of information that terrify me at the moment 
One is they've been working on these, a vaccine for the coronavirus umbrella term um, since SARS. Right. So it's that family. Yeah, yeah. Um, Since that period of time, they've developed many different vaccines. Yeah. But every single vaccine that they have developed against coronavirus type um, viruses, uh, it just turns out that, yeah, you can get an immune response, but then if you catch the virus after you've had the injection, um, your immune response is highly accelerated and aggressive. Sure. which ends up killing you. Right. Um, the reason they I know this is because they did loads of tests on ferrets and basically they all died. It's <laughs> very sad. Very... So yeah, that that's the reason why um you know a lot of companies are working on this virus because they've been working on it for for decades well, already. We're t- we're told there's 20 different variants of this covid vaccine being developed around the world and one minute again this is where you get the gaslighting that comes in one minute we're told we're never going to be able to develop a vaccine and then it's like oh yeah in um the john hopkins center uh in in oxford university they reckon they're going to have one that's going to be developed by the end of the year and then you hear from somewhere else they say oh no that will be five years again it's all this contradictory information deliberately to just create stress so people in the end you know just stick the vaccine in my arm i'm fed up of hearing about it you know well this brings me on to the second bit of information that scares me a lot yeah and when you tie them two together it really does um and so the second part is that um boris johnson has essentially put in an order for 90 million vaccines for coronavirus and do you know what the source of that is from um uh, it was on some right, sort of news okay. site. Right. But anyway, so it's been reported he's ordered 90 million. Yeah. Problem is, country has only got about just over 60 million people in it. Yeah. So why has he ordered um, essentially 50% more vaccines than he actually needs? Yeah. Um, it makes me think that, you know, he'll, he'll put the first 30 million vaccines out there and go, Oh shit! Um, this was a dodgy batch. Sure. Um, you know, sorry, we we kind of like either hurt you really badly or you're suffering illness, and then they'll go. Well, don't worry, we've still got another sixty million vaccines um, that we can use. So, so we, we've got the 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 real stuff, the juicy stuff that does the business. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, that basically, what works out to be a forty-five, fifty percent increase on the number of vaccines actually needed to cover the entire country. Yeah. That is, yeah, it's just ridiculous. So um, I think we're coming up to the hour now, Mike. So I think we'll round things up. And, um, you know, it's been a fascinating discussion uh, around censorship and uh, the, you know, these mad COVID times we're in. But, you know, it's extremely dangerous and worrying times that we are in. And I only think it's going to get more and more extreme. Oh, definitely. You know, I can't see them pulling back on the censorship. I think they're going for this, uh, you know, much heralded second wave and then the rollout of the vaccines. And I just think any siren voices online that go against that, I think they're going to be shut down more and more. And I I don't mean to spread fear, but I just think that's inevitable. I think they're running scared. I think it demonstrates um, their lack of power. But at the same time, um, the way they're implementing these censorships, they're getting people 
to want it. Exactly, to demand it. I mean, the fact is, um, this um, 7,000 accounts linked to the QAnon being banned recently, yeah. um, most people are going to be turning around like, well, they're a conspiracy nose. So, um, exactly. Good they're gone. Exactly. Um, as soon as, um, you know, all the information is going to be coming out about the vaccines, like, don't take it, it's going to kill you, it's not good for you. People are going to be like, yeah, can we get that stuff banned? Yeah. We don't want to hear that. Um, you know, it's literally going to be... Um, it's quite simple psychological manipulation. Really, I mean, for yeah. some reason, I always imagine it in a in a way of um, the prequels in Star Wars. Right. Um, when it's just like, so this is how democracy dies, with thunderous applause. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, so the way they are selling the censorship to, let's just say the layperson who doesn't necessarily know about the conspiracies. Yeah. They're going to buy it hook, line and sinker and not only ask for it, demand it. Of course, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You won't need any government legislation for those types of people. And yeah, that's where we're worried things are going to be going. Because yeah. you can definitely tell with the division with the masks. Yeah, yeah. That have been going on and the the whole kind of like um, push about, like, oh, you, you don't wear a mask. You must be um, wanting to hurt people yeah. then. That's, that's the kind of... That's the dummy run for the rollout of the division that we'll get with, with the vaccines, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. So I just finish, uh, Mike, uh, on the promotion stuff. So um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at discerningconsfree. That's how you can find me on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm at coolants72. And if you want to follow me on Facebook, it's Ant Insuli. That's my surname. It's I-N-S-U-L-I. So thank you all for uh, tuning in to today. In today. Can't even get my words out, Mike. <laughs> We've invented a new Orwellian word. Um, and thank you, Mike, for a fascinating discussion. It's been it's been really interesting. Yeah, I always really enjoy in, talking about this stuff with in, you. Interesting and, and um, slightly scary um, all at the same time. Um, so just lastly, um, for our listeners, um, please do, uh, if you've, if you've enjoy, enjoyed today's show, please do share it on all your own platforms. And if you want to keep up to date with the latest content on discerning consciousness, please do press the follow button on the Podomatic site. So we'll just leave you, uh, as always, with these wise words. Uh, remember, folks, if you're not in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now. Thank you.